Let's do another one. That was fun.
Congrats, seniors. Good luck in all your future endeavors, and thank you for the time and energy you've put into CSF. Hey, seniors. The last encounter of each year is always bittersweet for me, especially this year where the last seven weeks we've not been able to be together under one roof to, to worship together. And so that's been tough. Bitter because we know you. And with that, uh, we've built relationships and stories together, and, and we will miss you. And so it's sad for us to see you move on uh, to what next. Sweet because we know you. Uh, we're a part of your story. Uh, we've seen you grow as a person. We've seen you grow uh, in your faith walk with Jesus. And, and so with that, it, it's exciting to see what God is going to do next uh, in your story as you move from this community and, and this place to the next thing. Uh, we have a core value in our ministry built up to send out. And in this core value, it's the idea that, that we want to um, pour into your life while you're here on campus. But we know that we have you for a short time. We know that you will be moving on uh, to another endeavor. And so for seniors tonight, um, we celebrate you because we know uh, that you're on to the next thing, the next phase of life, um, the next opportunity. And, and so um, we're excited for that. We're excited to see what God is going to do in your life. Uh, blessings from us at CSF. Uh, we pray for favor in your life. Uh, we pray for protection. And we pray that God will do great and amazing things through this class of 2020. Hey guys, I just want to say um, we're so lucky to have had you here at CSF and all the ways that you've been involved, whether it's cycling team or leadership or going to a small group or encounter. Um, we're just so glad that you are connected here and um, for putting a lot of time and energy into taking ownership of your ministry and just pouring into other students and caring for each other well. And so um, I just want to say we'll definitely miss you guys. And I hope that um, you'll feel you can always come visit and keep in contact with us because um, we would love to hear all the awesome things you're going to go do with your future and in your communities um, that you end up in. And so uh, we'll definitely miss you, but we're also excited for your new opportunities. What a way to go out. Wish we were all together. I just want you guys to know we appreciate who you are and what you've invested in CSF. Best of luck, we love you. Hey CSF seniors, we are gonna miss you guys so much. It's been an awesome year and I hope anytime you're back in Bloomington, you will come to our door and come on in because we'd love to see you. The girls were in swimsuits yesterday, and today I'm wearing three long sleeve layers. Welcome to springtime in Indiana. I hope wherever this encounter season finds you, that you are safe, and that you are well, and that you are digging deep into, um, into Scripture for yourself. We are finishing the book of Acts. Uh, we have chug-a-lugged, and so we're all the way to Acts 28, starting in verse 28 through 31. But I'm not your primary teacher tonight. All I get to do is set the stage because right after uh, I'm finished here, we're going to invite 
Mariah Murphy to share her heart and help break down and apply scripture to our lives. So what does one do for two years in, in house arrest? We have tracked Paul from his persecution of followers of the way all the way until this moment where he has reached Rome finally. Grant helped me teach that last week. He has finally reached Rome and immediately put into house arrest. And so he stays there for two years is what our text will say. If you do the math, starting in Acts 23 all the way up to Acts 28, so in these five chapters, what we actually find is about five years. Paul's been in prison for two different two-year stints. And then he has a travel ban, (laughs) you might have heard of such a thing, throughout the winter whenever he was shipwrecked on the island of Malta. If you missed that one, go find Jack and I teaching on that. There's good stuff happening here. What does one do when under house arrest? I mean, it's the question that you are having to answer for yourself in quarantine. Well, here in house arrest under quarantine, Paul wrote his prison letters. I've got them pulled up here. This is letters Colossians to the Colossian church, to the Ephesian church, Philemon, and then Philippians. And these were the regions that we spent so much time circling back through on those maps. These were the places that Paul planted churches. And these were also the regions that Paul kept getting chased out of. What is Luke's point in picking this moment, house arrest and the prison letters? What's Luke's point to ending his book here? It's a question that theologians have wrestled with. Scholars have done research into trying to figure out and to understand this question. I really think there's a deeper principle at play here. And that's what I want to break down. And then I'm going to hand off to Mariah. Um, Luke wants us to see and to be surprised at how Paul reaches Rome. You'll know if you've been tracking along with us that Paul says, I must reach Rome. But we also heard Jesus say to Paul, you must testify in Rome. But it's been circumstance after circumstance after circumstance that has, that has been put in play to make this final uh, result, final destination, nearly impossible You remember, Paul said from Jerusalem at the end of his third missionary journey, I'm now off to Rome. And and he jumped ship. Instead, in Jerusalem, he was arrested, nearly mobbed, and then put on trial again and again and again. Uh, Then he went off to Caesarea where he was almost assassinated en route. (laughs) And then he nearly drowned in the Mediterranean Sea. And then, remember, he was bitten by a poisonous snake after being saved by by the legionnaire uh, from being killed by the sailors. Okay, so here's the thing. It seems like each of these incidents was designed to prevent Paul from reaching his end destination, Rome. 
And here's the, here's the thought that might be new for you that I'd love to pull out a little bit. When you hold Acts 27, which was Jack and I, uh, and then the first part of 28, which was Grant and I, on the island of Malta, we'll find that the, like, there's a chapter and a half all contained in one place. And it's all about the shipwreck and then the sea keeping, uh, it's the sea and the God of justice trying to fight for Paul's life. What you may not know is that all through the Old Testament, the sea represented chaos. It was, anytime you see the sea rothing and, and, and roiling, what you are supposed to hear is chaos. And chaos is the exact antithesis of order. Really what you hear in order versus chaos is good versus evil, lightness versus dark. And you guess where I'm going. God himself versus Satan. I think the reason that Luke spends so much time in Acts 27 and the first half of Acts 28 talking about the seized attempt to keep Paul from his destination was is the teaching idea for you and I that God's providence, the way that he makes about his plans will never be thwarted even against the demonic. Now this is an incredibly important point because you might remember that I opened with the prison letters. What does Paul do for two years while he is under house arrest? Let's call it quarantine. (laughs) He writes the prison letters. In these particular books, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, Paul is always conscious to set the supremacy of Jesus as the representation, the manifestation of God on earth in flesh against the demonic, against the spiritual forces at play in your world. Like it is actually under under house arrest. It is actually as a prisoner that the most powerful words are finally composed, bringing about our understanding still today of who Jesus is and why he came. And here's the thing. Scripture is full of examples of Satan attempting to thwart God's plan. You saw it in Pharaoh trying to drown Moses. You saw it in Haman trying to annihilate the Jews in Esther. You hear Herod the Great, the, the great-grandfather of Agrippa, who Paul was talking to, preaching to. Herod the Great tried to destroy Jesus in Bethlehem. This is the idea. Satan will always be at work in our world, attempting to thwart God's plans. And it is providence. The reality that you right now are watching this sermon in quarantine under house arrest, like there is something to be done now for you. In confinement, what Paul saw was the victory of Jesus and he was able to craft and articulate that victory in words that have never again been composed. You see, Paul's perspective was enlarged. His horizons were expanded and it was actually in stillness under house arrest that Paul was finally able to pin the words 
that have now echoed all the way into the year 2020 to your heart. But you don't have to take my word for it. I'm so happy to have spent the last four years uh, loving, discipling, leading, and, uh, and teaching Mariah Murphy. Are you ready? I am ready. I have clicked okay. record and I am <laughs> beyond excited. Okay, perfect. Okay, so let's just get into this. Um, so where we're starting, um, the very, very end of Acts, I'm just going to read through that scripture real quick. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. And it says, Paul lived there in Rome for two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So starting from that first verse, we read in verse 28, Paul lets them know that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. And not only had it been sent, but they were given the reassurance that the Gentiles would listen. Throughout this entire book, we've seen Paul going from place to place, preaching to literally every group of people. And from the Jews to the Gentiles, Paul was sent after his conversion to go to all people. And we see this message being brought back again and again throughout all of Acts. This message kind of brings me back to Acts 13, 47, where the Lord says that I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you'd bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And in fact, Paul kind of brings up his letter um, to the Romans in Romans 1.16 that the gospel is the power of the God that brings salvation to everyone yeah. who believes, first the Jew and to the Gentile. And we see this message of everyone, this message of all, being brought into that space. And we spent much of the beginning of the book of Acts watching as the message was being brought from place to place, first to the Jews and then to the Greeks. And this revolutionary idea of the salvation of God being here for all people turned the whole idea of what they considered ministry at that time upside down on its head. Throughout Paul's ministry, he preached to people who were nothing like him. And the people were supposed, the people that were supposed to be the most like him, the Jews, were some of his fiercest adversaries. The Gentiles kind of reacted differently as their hearts began to open. And this was a door that before Christ and the Holy Spirit came into the picture had been previously closed. I love that thought because maybe that's the first time that I've actually heard someone put it that way. Mm -hmm. But Paul went to cities and he always sought the synagogue first. But if there was a synagogue there, then the surrounding city, the people that weren't Jews would have known about it and would have been aware of it. And so all of a sudden, when this closed door thing was now made open, people just started flooding in. I, I really love that thought. Yeah, it was the journey of them kind of realizing that. Yeah. Um, realizing that that was open, that kind of takes another step in that journey, um, realizing that it's open. A lot of times as students, or as people in general, you don't have to be students, but um, I think it's so often it's easy to kind of get entrapped in this mindset of they won't possibly listen to me. Go out to people, you talk to them, um, whether that prevents us from inviting others to a church gathering or speaking into a situation in which someone asks, like, what do you believe? And it's so easy to just forget about the fact that we have that reassurance. God made the salvation available. He made it open for all of us to experience. And this experience is like none other. And he made it open for all people. The saying that we say in CSF probably 500 million times every year, which is uh, asking the tough questions. Um, 
since I was a, a little baby freshman, I <laughs> heard this drilled into me constantly. And I think when I was a freshman, it was, it was harder to know exactly what, what that looked like and what that meant. This, this kind of asking the tough questions, this goes for everyone, not only sometimes the little Christian bubble that we find ourselves in so often, but it goes for, we want to encourage those who may not know Christ. Again, I love oh, the core value clarity of that. We often say, ask the tough questions to those who, who are in your community from a position of care. And if that same ask comes alive, uh, yeah, with someone who, who the tough question with gentleness and care is, tell me about why you don't believe yeah. or how is your your non-faith or your your grandfathered faith working for you? I mean, what a, it is a tough question, but you do it from a place of care. And then all of a sudden, right, that the result is in the hands of God. I love that picture. Yeah. And allowing yourself to not always have the answer, but allowing yourself to be asked because sometimes in the answering, it's, I, I know for myself, I, I always get a little bit um, scared that people are going to respond, uh, you know, not in kind or they're going to be mad or whatever. But more often than not, I mean, there's, there's always differences in, in discussions and people, but more often than not, when I'm asked a genuine question from somebody that genuinely just wants to know um, more about my faith, and if I respond in a way that Christ would have responded in love and in kindness, um, they listen more intently. And it's kind of interesting seeing that because you kind of have to allow the Holy Spirit to take over in that moment. So I want to kind of jump into this notion of inviting. Um, we kind of talked, to, I've talked, touched on that a little bit at the beginning, but um, listening and also inviting people into those spaces. Um, in the, I think it was 30 and 31, um, he talks about Paul inviting people, welcoming people into his home. Um, mm -hmm. And I think this notion of, he goes into these next few scriptures, it's kind of hard to figure out right now. Um, amongst everything. And it's like, what, what does that look like for us now? It's really easy to get lost in the busyness of everything. And especially now with the chaos of everything going on, it's really easier to get lost in the here and now. However, we're called to something that we can and that can and will continue even through the fiercest of storms. And in Acts 1, the first thing we see Jesus telling the disciples is that they will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And this aspect of baptism through the Spirit continues throughout the rest of the book. Acts is filled to the brim with these accounts and the Holy Spirit presenting itself unto people, whether masses of people, like the tongues of fire incident, or just one person. However, the first aspect of this was that the disciples had this reassurance um, that the Holy Spirit would be with them, that the Holy Spirit would be with them when they went out. Mm. Um, they continued in uncertainty and began to relay the messages that Jesus had entrusted to them. And as we go to the end of the book where we are now in verse 30 and 31, we see the same message. And the story continues from the beginning of the book to the end and even till now. And the book ends in the very similar way that it began, which is people being taught the word of God and looking to bring the world to a better understanding of him. And going back to verse 30 and 31, just revamping that, he says Paul lived there for two whole years at his own expense, welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. And it's hard sometimes to see what this could possibly look like in our own lives now. Um, 
how do we apply this? How do we look to these scriptures in these uncertain times and welcome all? And as we continue into the summer, whether graduating or going on to the next chapter of your life, or you're just gone from IU for a season, what we take with us makes all the difference in the world. Mm -hmm. And that aspect of hospitality continues into every area of our lives. And what that looks like right now might differ a little bit, but keeping inviting people and welcoming people into the aspect of salvation with God, who is overall, and offering that space as a place of worship and um, just able to talk, whether it's right now, that might be just like a phone call or a group Zoom with people just to discuss stuff, or maybe it's just to check in with someone over text. It's, it's going to look a little bit different for each person, but we're all called to keep inviting. That message never stops. And remembering back to verse 28 with Paul's comment that they will listen, referring to the Gentiles, this message is to us. This is for all people and loving them with the love that Christ showed. It doesn't matter who it is. I mean, we see the who change completely throughout the book of Acts. The book of Acts does not start with Paul. Every book of the Bible is just a little bit different and to maybe different groups of people or different people speaking those messages. But the intent is still there. The intent never changes. Paul, uh, 31, 31, first three words, boldly and without, okay, four words, <laughs> hindrance. Man, the way Paul speaks yeah. is boldly and without hindrance. I just, man, there is a call to, you know, there's a call to me. There's a call to you no, that no matter where this finds you, if this whole spirit thing, if this whole faith life is real, then boldly and without hindrance is, is the manner. Always gentleness and care, but man, yeah. bold, boldness to say, yeah, to speak of the hope that you have within you. Yeah. Sometimes I think that's the hardest part is the bold part. Yeah. Um, I know for myself that uh, sometimes it's, it's much easier to kind of shrink back. Can you look back in the Wayback Tank and tell me what, little Mariah freshman what she would want to learn from senior Mariah <laughs> oh do I really want to look back that far um, yeah you do <laughs> oh little little Mariah back in freshman year um she was a sweetheart I remember her <laughs> I literally knew no one at IU nobody in the music school that year at least um nobody in the campus house. I was from out of state. It was, it was so different of an environment. And I was so scared, <laughs> so scared to talk to people because I didn't know, um, I didn't want, I, I won, I was, I've always been afraid my whole life of offending certain people or, you know, again, like making a fool of myself or doing something stupid or, you know, and not being able to kind of grow in those spaces. And I feel like that hindered me in some areas. Mm -hmm. um, where I could have grown by being more bold and being willing to kind of step out of that shell, out of that, um, out of my comfortable environment. Um, that was just kind of like me retreating. That was my comfortability status, you know, until I was comfortable in an environment, I would retreat. And something I, I think about often is like, your work is never gonna get done if you don't go into it boldly what does what does boldly you know boldly approaching you know the throne of god to ask exactly what we want you know or boldly being able to proclaim his word in front of people or maybe just that one person 
that doesn't have to be you going it doesn't mean I, I don't want it to sound like you know everyone's supposed to go in front of thousands of people and you know if you get to that point that is fine obviously but like even you going and reaching out to the one mm. you know reaching out to the one or being able to boldly go into um your spaces and go i don't necessarily know what this is help me figure this out that boldly and without hindrance it comes whenever he heartily welcomes like yeah. that his yeah. ability to speak with that um strength maybe whenever yeah. we hear about like with that confidence or whatever Man, that comes whenever they sit at his table, when they're in his home. And I love that you, um, yeah, you've spent so many years consistently being a person of welcome at CSF. And so I'll say it out loud for our entire uh, campus house and CSF global community to hear. Like, that's just been a piece of who you are that I know you'll take wherever you go and that's in your DNA now and it's so refreshing to hear I know the fear and I still can feel it but the difference in freshman to to senior me is I've also done it now I've got the reps and so I know what it feels like to make the ask invite the person and Mm. really care when they respond and I think going along with that I mean it's being willing to go to the people that might feel that same way, mm. you know, going to the people that might feel like I can't get out of my, my bubble. I can't get out of my shell. I'm too scared. And, you know, and being there and being able to reassure them, like, no, you like, we're here for you. Um, well, you know, can help you in those areas. And, um, what, I mean, sometimes it's, it takes years to kind of get to that point. Right. And sometimes you're in that immediately, but um, being willing to kind of step out of that comfortability space yourself to go help someone else, it, Mm. it kind of like, um, it kind of has a rebound effect a little bit with that. I love that. So yeah, that hospitality is kind of the first thing that comes into that play when he talks about welcoming people and then being able to boldly proclaim is so important in what we do for the kingdom. Yeah. And so you're moving into a whole new season. Yeah. yeah. What does that look like? <laughs> what does that look like for you? Uh, yeah. Um, the, what it looks like for me right now is, is uncertain. Um, I, I've said this before. I think looking back, I, I had a, a vision, I think, for, for what I wanted the four years look like. Um, and, and they did not look like that. So it's a very, very different space um, than when I was like, oh, this is how it's going to end, or this is how it's going to, you know, look like, or this is what I'm going to be doing. Um, things are a lot different than what I expected. And um, so that's a kind of different, obviously, um, expectation, but going from here on to something that's not IU, it kind of puts me back in that uncomfortable position again. Um, where I have to now get used to new environments. Obviously, I'm in Missouri. I'm in my house, so it's like this environment is comfortable. But <laughs> the environment after this, um, after graduation, after stepping from one what became a comfortable place to what might not be one in the first place is really kind of just learning. Okay, what did I take from this space? 
and how can I apply that to this space over here? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm trying to learn. I'm not a perfect <laughs> by any means, but. <laughs> so if you had, um, if you had the closing word yeah. to uh, the last encounter, um, yeah, from a place of care for our community, like what would your voice want yeah. to say? I think the biggest thing, um, the biggest thing that, I, well, one of the biggest things that I kind of took away from this scripture and then kind of applying that to the rest of the year um, is the whole notion of the who doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's sometimes really easy to kind of look at it and then, oh, this is too big for me. Or like I said, mentioned like, oh, they're not going to listen to me. Who am I? Like what, you know, but the funny thing is, is I think we get really wrapped up in the me aspect and we forget that it's really not you. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit aspect in that. Um, the Holy Spirit kind of takes that aspect of you out of it and it no longer becomes about you. As soon as yeah. I get in my own head about what I think is going to happen, it, it immediately yeah. becomes about me. Absolutely. Oh. And it's so easy. I mean, like, because we're all very different people and we all kind of bring different aspects and personalities and whatnot to the table. Right. And it's, it's easy to kind of take those personalities or those aspects of yourself and apply your own opinions on top of them without necessarily thinking or, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want in this moment? Mm. Um, I've done this plenty of times. Um, and it's, it's something that's easy to do, <laughs> something that's easy to do. And so I think the biggest thing that I would say is doesn't matter who you are, how long you've been with Christ. He can use you in any particular way that he wants. If you allow yourself to be used and you allow yourself to say that the, the you aspect doesn't matter, the who aspect doesn't matter. It's the Holy Spirit in you doing the work. And that mm -hmm. message is going to keep going. You can just allow yourself to be used in that way. So that's, I think, that's what I would say. I think that'll preach. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Good. All right. CSF community. Um, yeah. With, with the end of a weird season here, um, we are so excited for uh, sending our seniors, those who we love, um, those who have been a part of our community, given their time and their talent and lent their voice and gathered with one heart. Uh, we love you and we bless you and we send you. Um, for those who we will see fall, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully fall. Oh, yeah, we are so excited to keep growing uh deeper and deeper and deeper roots so that we can reach farther and farther out on the campus so yeah mariah love you so much and uh, yeah blessing love the rest of the community yeah. <laughs> all right it's a hard to end it um but it can't be better said so let me pray over top of us and uh, we'll go out Heavenly Father, when I read scripture, when I hold even the book of Acts, I learn how to pray. And uh, I hear the heart of Paul uh, reaching out 
that the kingdom is near and he repeats only what he's heard you say. We see that in scripture. And so that's what we pray over top of this community. That we as a community are continually about the work of our father. Um, and so we pray that the kingdom comes near and that you use us in whatever way you see fit and that you keep transforming us to look more and more like Jesus. In his name, amen. Yeah.